a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on video nasty? Oh, you've seen one. I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Every now and again on this podcast we get to talk about somebody who is could be considered a bit of a, an underground or grindhouse or two. In the case of Massacre Mafia style, the film is entirely uh, pinned around one man, a guy called Duke Mitchell, who directed, produced, wrote and starred, starred in it and did the music as well. The film is a homage to his view of a certain type of lifestyle. A way of kind of looking back at the the work in the, in the Godfather, for example, and kind of saying, no, that isn't right. That isn't for me. I disagree with the way that world is. This is the world that I see it as. Now, normally you'd think, well, okay, that means that he's going to kind of give a, a, a romanticised view and it's not going to be like some kind of bloody violent uh, thing, which, you know, an exploitation film, in fact. But Duke didn't work like that. And uh, his film, Massacre Mafia Style, also known as The Executioner in the UK, and that's the version that, that, that was, it, and that title, it was seized uh, under the Section 3 of the Video Nasties Act and also Like Father, Like Son, Starts with one of the most impressively violent uh, starts to a film I think I've ever seen in terms of people being murdered. And also uh, a scene that is used, therefore, in its trailer, as uh, you'll soon find out now. Round and round while we're dancing, my heart makes us glad that we're living today. Each time I feel like romancing, my heart always goes tick-a-tee, tick-a-tee. around while we're dancing, my heart is all that we're living today. Each time I feel like romancing, my heart always goes tick-a-tee, tick-a-tee. Yeah. Drown, 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 dr
So the film starts with this over-the-top violent sequence that just shows uh, an entire office block with people being killed while uh, one of uh, Duke Mitchell's uh, songs is played and he kind of goes around killing everybody. Uh, Mitchell plays a guy called Mimi Miscelli, who is the son of a mafia don. He's first-gen Italian-American, and uh, the don has had to move back to Sicily because he's committed... Uh, well, he's, he's too hot in in, Hollywood, in, uh, in America, in particular um, in New York. So Mimi decides to go to Hollywood to try and kind of regain a foothold in the uh, the gangster world. He plans to do that through kidnapping and violence. And surprisingly for Mimi, perhaps, his ability as, as, a, as a gangster kind of actually earns a grudging respect from the community. And they decide that he's okay to kind of have a go and take down a West Coast pimp by the name of Super Spook, played by Jimmy Williams. He's a... The idea for Mimi is that he wants all the gambling dens and he wants all the pimps. So to muscle it on that turf, you need to take over big pimps. However, what uh, what Mimi realizes is there's little honor in the uh, in in any in any uh, gangster community, and what appears to be quite an easy task becomes increasingly difficult, despite the fact that he has uh, the the uh, love and the the willingness from the the local. West Coast Mafia community. A community that seems to be okay with the fact that for some reason he also hits on their girlfriends. Masca Mafia style, 1974, American, independent. As we said, the uh, very much the, the, the baby of Duke Mitchell, a man who we'll get on to in a second. Mitchell uh, accumulated the story, um, which has the tagline, You're in. Or you're in the way. Um, from real life stories that he'd had from various people he'd met and mob bosses. He was a singer, a performer, and had done reasonably okay in the past. And indeed had already appeared in a film when he decided to make this. Although that film itself was Bela Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla from 1952. Anyway, Mitchell would take his money and use it to make two films. Actually, this one and the uh, film that was uncompleted but at his death, Gone with the Pope. It was filmed in L.A., edited by Tony Mora and uh, Emmy-nominated as Robert Florio, who would also edit Gone with the Pope as well. Florio is um, best known for his films, uh, well, his TV work, and truthfully, he has worked on it. Lost would be the biggest thing, and, and, and recently, more recently, NCIS Los Angeles as well. But this was very much when uh, he was uh, starting out on his career. It said that Mitchell was inspired by 1972's The Godfather, the Francis Ford Coppola film, and that's kind of understandable. Indeed, what Mimi makes reference to the Godfather himself in the dialogue without kind of naming it specifically is a derogatory to it. In the 70s, uh, crime action, Polizuetti uh, films from Italy were hugely popular. However, these kind of gangster films, were mafia films, were very rarely kind of released in the... St- well, very rarely created in America. 
And um, Mitchell saw an ability to kind of ride the wave of popularity in that film. Very successful, obviously, you know, Oscar-winning film. And uh, kind of um, create a movie that um, would kind of reach a similar kind of audience. He wanted, in many ways, to kind of ape and emulate the uh, the work of directors like Coppola and like Scorsese, who wanted to tell a story of being Italian-American and how that works within... Um, the um, the British you know the, the American community, um, he was and Mitchell was able to use you know a, a rich life experience to kind of tell that story. Now, what that tends to turn into is um, in reality when you watch the film, aside from its incredibly balanced opening, is story bits where people te- like people kind of go nudge each other and say what are you doing and then they'll explain the tradition very much in the when in the wedding scene when there's a there's a dowry uh, baked inside some bread they cut the bread share it with the father as a sign of respect and then take the the dowries inside all you know very lovely and stuff and it's kind of explained by one of the characters to kind of to the audience effectively without breaking the fourth wall it also comes through in quite, um, I would argue, audience-limiting <laughs> monologues. So Mitchell's character Mimi is prone to sitting down and lecturing uh, people around him, uh, and not in a good way. So he can kind of seem quite self-regarding, self-regarding in terms of himself, also in terms of the Italian-American experience. And uh, that comes in waves of talking about other uh, ethnicities in quite derogatory ways. A lot of it comes across being quite racist in a in a in a seventies way, shall we say? But uh, not great. Uh, certainly, to modern ears, it can feel a bit jarring. And you do wonder why he's kind of well, you know, well, you do know why because he wants to kind of give the truth of the experience of his life. So we have. So, you know, a bit of sex, quite a bit of violence, some of these weird, um, no one understands us kind of monologues. And so you think it'll do well, really. Um, but it didn't. It kind of um, got released and kind of didn't do much business at all. In fact, it was only released theatrically in 1978 by Moonstone Entertainment, but um, really didn't hit any kind of cult audience till uh, VHS in the 80s. And since then has been kind of rediscovered, restored and re-released by Grindhouse Releasing. And it's kind of given it a, a far stronger cult, cult appeal, uh, mainly due to its, um, to the magnetism, I would say, of, of Duke Mitchell. It kind of gives the, the audience um, what they need in terms of, uh, you know, he's, he's very charismatic, regardless of how he's acting. And the film's so over, and it opens with this like jaw dropping scene with this like ma- literal massacre in the, um, in this office block. And, um, from that point of view, you're like, God in heaven. But it also sums up Mitchell's worldview. He made all these people who are evidently bad people, does it with the Italian music, the Italian American music, and he does it, um, you know, these are obviously people that deserve it, although, you know, he kills secretaries and all sorts. It's a bit bloody. But he, he, nonetheless, he sees it as, as what needs to be done. 
And then a young child basically clocks them both. So potentially a witness. But he doesn't kill him because he's young and an innocent. So there's a romanticism there that um, probably doesn't match the uh, the violence of what you've just seen before. And it's not that surprising that, you know, it after that it does slow down considerably because no film could maintain that kind of pace. And if it did... It would be absolutely exhausting, you know. You'd be like a modern action film kind of thing, you know, like a John Woo movie. Even that film's got some lulls, um, you know, hard boiled or whatever. But um, so it does kind of taper off, and you kind of grudge, and he kind of builds his way up, and then you know, there's a lot more killings and some uh, some conversations where uh, it did uh, done with, with women who were topless, basically, to kind of, you know, for for the reasons that you would expect, the, the usual reasons why they, they add uh, topless women into exploitation films to kind of keep the, uh, keep the audience's attention dependent on how high they are. And now the film has, a, I would argue, a cult appeal um, based off these really lavish uh, Blu-ray releases of this film, and the undiscovered going for Pope, which we'll talk about in a minute. Anyway, Duke Mitchell was actually born as Dominic Maselli in uh, Pennsylvania um, in uh, 1926. He teamed up with this comic called Sammy Petrillo uh, for a nightclub act, and he did the crooning, and Petrillo did the silly faces. And it was similar, in fact, to Martin and Lewis, uh, D. Martin and Jerry Lewis, because uh, they both kind of looked a bit like them. Um, and indeed, um, Jerry Lewis um, initially took legal action against them uh, because Sammy Petrillo was, looked like it was stealing his act, although it was later dismissed. So there were many being a feature-length comedy um uh, and the story goes that the idea was it was meant to be a bit of a scam, probably from music producer Jack Broder. So Broder um, had agreed and got them signed for this contract, for this deal, with a view that the that there would be a lawsuit and therefore they would be paid off by Paramount. Um, that didn't happen uh, because the lawsuit was dropped, so there was no payout. So the film was actually Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla which is exactly what the phrase Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn Gorilla would make you think. Uh, this was very much when Lugosi was uh, as unwell, if shall we say. Ironically, Mitchell then also went made an appearance in um, the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis film Sailor Beware from 1952. So these part their ways, these two, after you know, kind of reaching the buffers in terms of a career, and uh, Mitchell decides to stay on the show business, performs in clubs, opening for uh, Lenny Bruce, the comedian, and um, kind of does well out of it. So he gets enough money to kind of create these in, these two independent films, uh, which now obviously have a cult following. Um, if you didn't know from that, then you might have known, oddly, if you're a big Flintstones fan, uh, Mitchell was also the voice of Fred Flintstone, not for all of it, just for the song. So he appeared in a couple of a uh, couple of uh, film, a couple of the episodes, Hot Lips Hannigan and Girls Night Out. So he became a bit of a scene star and um, would perform at 
brunch shows for Liza Minnelli and Cary Grant and became friends with Frank Sinatra. So he was in that kind of group, you know what I mean? These Sunday brunches kind of involved star showbiz people kind of going down to Palm Strings and uh, for, you know, a chill out and whatever else you get up to on a Sunday in Palm Springs, probably more than you would on a Sunday in some other places. And Mitchell's had little... So these side projects weren't really massively successful. Certainly, he had a, uh, a tribute to Durant, um, who was an American singer and comedian. And then this other film, Gone with the Pope, which is quite the fucking story, to be fair. Gone the Pope was not released um, in his lifetime. In fact, it was created in 1976, but only got a release in 2010. Not going to go into huge amounts of detail about it because it's not on the list, and that you could you could do an episode on Gone with the Pope. But that film, and it, I I really suggest you search it out. It's a story about four ex cons who journey to Rome to kidnap the Pope in a in a plan to charge the highest ramps than they could because fucking hell, it's the Pope. Um, just stunning stuff, absolutely brilliant stuff. So mad, absolutely mad. But uh, what a what a guy, you know, what a fucking fantastic, uh, crazy idea for a story. Love him. And he died of lung cancer age 55 in uh, 1981, with the fags obviously catching up with him. So yeah, an odd little film, an interesting guy. Such worth, so worth a look, a watch. I really recommend you, uh, you hunt it out. Um... Masca Mafia style is probably um, one of the films on the Section 3 list you probably haven't seen, but one of the films I absolutely recommend that you do see. Hey, listen to this. People of the United States, judges, cops, all the law, I got something for you. Take this and stick it up in your mother's twat. Bring the check? Yes. Give it a... Why not? You motherfucker! We're snatching the Pope. The Pope? Once we got him, you know how much we're gonna get for him? How much? I want a dollar from every Catholic in the world. There ain't no law on the water. No law, no judges, no cops, no bullshit. You're free. The only thing you gotta worry about is some fucking maritime asshole. Where do you go? Where's the broad? Let the broads up your ass. Come on. Cut that out, will you? Where do you go? Huh? I caught one. Yes. I'll kill 100 priests for each one of them. Oh, my name. Why not? Anyway, thanks very much for that. 
Um, if you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is Christopher at com. It's also videonastypodcast at gmail.com, which is the one I use for this podcast. Get me on Twitter as well. It's at orange underscore monkey. I'm currently sharing um, just like share codes and stuff like that for like freebies and stuff uh, for reasons that are quite clear. If you're listening to this relatively recent, we are if you're in the future. Um, we're in the uh, the spring of 2020. Um, okay, so um, plan moving forwards. Hilariously, I'm actually for the first time in my podcasting career since I think Night Gallery. Uh, we're ahead. We're actually. I'm actually ahead. So the idea was to build a buffer so there wouldn't be a break in service when I went on holiday to New York. Obviously, fucking hell, I'm not going to New York now. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna use that buffer and kind of keep it there in case uh, I become ill for a week, and that will uh, allow us to kind of continue relatively unscathed. Hopefully, um, I mean, I've. I've that podcasted through illnesses before. I don't know how bad this one would be for me personally. Uh, I'm pretty fairly health, fit and healthy. So, um, so this said, uh, the plan is to continue. Uh, I know that a lot of people listen to this podcast while they're commuting to work, and I know a lot of the time that isn't going to be possible now. Um, so, if you, uh, so, but at the same time, uh, I think you know it's good if voices familiar voices continue so if you're listening to this and watching along there's something you to listen to and watch along with while we continue uh the films aren't the easiest to get hold of this if you're living in america is very easy to get hold of uh, the last hunter probably is i think that's on amazon prime as well actually which is the next film um so yeah so the idea is i'm rambling but yeah the idea is to continue uh as is uh for as long as i can um on a weekly schedule moving forwards and my feeling is that's probably more than achievable uh, considering the amount of time I've got on my hands currently don't worry about me, I'm all fine um, so uh, I hope you uh, take care um, shit is crazy yo uh, and um, we'll all uh, look on this year and laugh one day I'm sure so until then and until next week Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. I have never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. How how can you judge on a video nasty? Have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. Stick it up in your mother's twat!